Our message series is ridiculously generous. And we're talking about what it means to be ridiculously generous. And, you know, I, as I think about the idea of generosity, there's something that I learned a few years ago, and it's been a phrase that I've carried with me. I, and honestly, I wish I had really connected to this phrase years ago, that it would have been more a part of who I am uh, before, it, it, before it was. And it's this phrase, I don't have to do this, I get to do this. Think about that for a moment. I don't have to do this, I get to do this. When that is really down deep in our hearts, it really is a transforming statement. When I understand that what I do is not something I have to do, it's an opportunity, it's a privilege, it's an honor, it's a blessing to be able to do whatever it is, when, especially in, when it comes to generosity. And, and often, we look at things like serving, that's what we're going to talk about today, as because we have to do it, it's like serving a prison sentence. So I'm serving time. Rather, that if we were to turn it, and it with something we get to do, it's serving time. You notice the difference in the, in the same exact words, but done differently from a different perspective. If it's something I have to do, I'm serving time. But if it's something I get to do, it's serving time. It's a joy, it's an honor, and it's a privilege. The series is based around this verse from the book of Proverbs eleven twenty four. It's the message paraphrase. The world of the generous grows larger and larger. The world of the stingy grows smaller and smaller. That's even in regards to being a person who serves. Generosity is something that allows our worlds to grow and to increase and to expand. Our influence expands. All opportunities expand. By the same token, when we hold things so close in such a tightly clenched fist, as it were, our world gets smaller and smaller. The stingier we are, the smaller our world and the smaller our influence. I want to be on the other side of that. And that's why this phrase is, is helping us during these weeks together. God loves us. Here's that big idea. God loves us and wants the best. He wants the best for us. Look at this. He does not want something from us. He wants something for us. He knows, and I love this, I love this line, he knows that we will thrive when we give ourselves away. He knows that we will thrive. He calls us to be ridiculously generous. We're going to talk a little bit about serving today, and I got to thinking, and I'm going to make an assumption, and it's always a little dangerous to make an assumption, but I'm going to make one anyway. I'm going to assume that everyone in the room has gone out to dinner at least one time in their life. Now, I'm not talking fast food, and I'm not talking the plans that you have to go today. I'm talking about you've been there. You've been there, done that. It's something that you're at least somewhat familiar. All right, here you go. When you go, there's something that happens. You, you, you walk into the restaurant and someone seats you. The first, maybe the host or the hostess will say, welcome, and how many, and they'll tell. Then somebody else seats you. And then someone will walk by and they'll give you water and they'll bring you chips and salsa. Oh, chips and salsa. Somebody told me this morning, said, can you add the guacamole to that, please? And I said, okay, all right. They bring you chips and salsa and the guy comes by the table and he makes guacamole. 
and then somebody else comes by and takes your drink order. Then somebody brings your drinks, and then they come by and they take your order for food. And then after food, they replenish your chips and salsa, or they forget to, or whatever. You're hoping they will. Then someone else brings your food. And then after somebody brings your food, you're done eating, then someone else picks up your, your plates. And then they it's just this team of people that are constantly doing what? Serving you. And what ends up occurring is the experience is, is good because people have served you. And you now you also know that when service is bad, you kind of go, oh boy. You know, we had to wait like five minutes to get our food. I don't know what in the world's going on. I know it's a little ridiculous, but sometimes we're so impatient. That's kind of what we do. But the idea of serving, we understand it from kind of a distance. But then when it comes to us, you know, are we, are we taking the approach that serving, I get to do this, or serving, I have to do this? I hope it is the former and not the latter. So we're going to talk a little bit about serving today. Interestingly, when you talk about serving, what does serving mean? It means to be useful or helpful or rendering assistance. In the New Testament, Serving was focused on meeting the needs of others. Now that's as simple as it can be broken down. Meeting the needs of others. However, something really unique about the New Testament, in Greek thought, which the culture of the first century that we're talking about was very, was oriented around Greek thought. For the Greeks, serving was shameful. It was shameful. And in fact, it was to be, to be forced to subject one's will or surrender their time for the sake of others was intensely distasteful, even humiliating. So you see the culture of the time says serving, oh, now it's something I have to do. And if I don't have to do it, I'm not going to do it. I wonder how much of that same ideology, philosophy is carried over even into our day. When I think about those comments and then why I may have difficulty being ridiculously generous with my time and my talent, I kind of get it. Because that has been the, that's been the prevailing thoughts for years, for decades, for centuries, for millennia. So now, when we begin to study Scripture and we see that serving is a vital part of our life of faith, it runs against many things within maybe the, the, the very heart, our very heart of hearts. So how do we deal with it? What, what do we, how do we address this subject? How do we get our arms around it? And how can we be ridiculously generous and leverage our time and our talent to advance the kingdom of God? We're going to talk about that for a little bit. John chapter 13, look at it with me. If it's, also, it's your worship guide, it's also on the screens. John chapter 13 is Jesus and his disciples are at a supper. There's some, uh, there's some discussion whether or not this was the last supper or it was another meal. I tend to believe this was the last supper and this we have the full, kind of the full account of what took place prior to his crucifixion. And that's what we see here. So look at it with me. John 13, verse number 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. 
The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had prompt, already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got it from the meal. Now, see if you can catch the, just put yourself in this picture. Okay, so he got it from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, you are not going to wash my feet. Jesus replied, you do not realize now that what I'm doing, but later you understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon replied, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you're clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. Now listen, look at this carefully. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked him. You call me teacher and, and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord, teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Father, speak life, challenge, and encouragement through your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm talking about three things about serving. First is this. Serving flourishes, flourishes when Christ is Lord. Now, this is such an important element of this story. When I was in college, uh, I picked up a few jobs here and there, as a lot of college students do, to try and have a little extra money. And I got recommended by a family that I was working for. Marcy and I used to clean house and do yard work for a, a very wonderful lady in Santa Cruz. And she said, Gary, there's another opportunity for you to do some yard work. And I thought, oh, ick. Literally, that was on my butt. I, I need a little extra money, so I did it. Well, that lasted one day, one day, and then I got fired, and I was really grateful that I got fired because I hated every minute of it. I hated every minute. Why did I hate it? Because I don't like yard work. Seriously, I don't like it. Now, at all, and here I am having to do yard work. That was the worst thing that could have happened to me. I want to tell you something. My heart was not in it. I, I didn't care if I got fired. Why? Because my heart wasn't in it. You know, we just do things differently when our heart is in something. Jesus makes this statement to his disciples. He said, you call me Lord and teacher. And that's exactly who I am. Then he says, now go do this. If you truly believe, hear me, if you truly believe that I am your Lord, if I am really your Lord, serve. Wow, pretty powerful. That's a, that's a potent thought. But you see, Jesus knows that serving will flourish. Your life will flourish when we serve. You see, someone, and I love this, I love this, someone to whom God has given a new heart behaves differently. And that's just, true. When my heart is in something, 
I'm going to get into it 100%. And while my heart's not in it, you're going to get a little bit of me, if any, of me. Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19 and 20, this is what we read. The Lord speaks to Ezekiel and he says, I will give them an undivided heart and I'll put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Now look at this part. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. What is, what is the Lord saying to Ezekiel? He is saying that when your heart is different, when I change your heart, everything changes. It moves from, ready? It moves from having to do something to I get to do this. Why? Because your heart has changed. And the reality is the Lordship of Jesus Christ will cause serving to flourish. It becomes something in our life that we get to do, and it's not something we have to do. Paul would echo this a little later in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He's talking to his, his congregation. He's talking to Timothy, who will then talk to his congregation. He's a pastor. This is, what, this is what he tells Timothy to do. Command them. Command them to do good. Okay. So now, if I were in Timothy's place, and I was just been instructed of Paul, command them to do good. Here's what I would say. Do good. Do good, Crossroads Church. Do good. But then Paul goes on. And to be, already, to be rich in good deeds. So if you're going to do good, be a really do-gooding, do it really good. How about that? That's what he's saying. Be rich in good deeds. Take it up a notch. Get into this. Go for it. And to be generous and willing to share. You see, we are to be generous in our doing of good things. Rich in good deeds. Why do we do this? Because serving flourishes when Christ is Lord. Second, is that serving patterns itself after Jesus. Serving patterns itself after Jesus. Jesus says this way. He says, do as I have done. Do as I have done. No servant is greater than his master. Do as I have done. No servant is greater than his master. There are two observations. First, that serving is patterned in his actions. Now, what is significant about foot washing? Well, first of all, it's not really a part of our culture, and just take a deep breath. We're not going to bring out the pans and start washing each other's feet. So we're okay. It's not about, it's, foot washing was a cultural thing of the first century. It was very commonplace in the Greek, Roman, Jewish culture. They wore sandals. They walked on, you know, unpaved roads. I mean, so you can imagine. So Jesus even would say, your whole body is clean once your feet are clean. So they may have taken a bath, but their feet were still dirty. So they come into an environment, this event, and that was part of what happened at the event. But here's what's significant. Foot washing was an extremely menial task. In fact, it was so menial that Jews wouldn't even do it. It was, it was given to slaves of Jews to do. They would not do it. This was something that was just lowly. It was humiliating. This was not something that Jesus was going to do. And so you can see why Peter was so upset. No, no, stop this. You are not going to do it. He had the cultural understanding. This is a menial humiliating task. You're not going to do this. Now, what's important is that Jesus does this very lowly, humble act, okay? And then he says this, do this. You can imagine it rocked these guys' world. They go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You want us 
to get below even what a, kind of what a slave would do? And Jesus says, absolutely. Now, he didn't do it quite like that, but you kind of get the idea. He did a little bit like that, I think. You set an example by what? His actions. Albert Schweitzer, he said, this is so powerful. He says, example, example isn't, is not the main thing in influencing people. It's the only thing. It's easy for us sometimes to just say, do this, because I say so. But when you show somebody, it reinforces the value and the power of that action. That's what Jesus did. Mark chapter 10, verse 43, Jesus says, Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be the first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's powerful. If anyone deserved to be served, it was him. But he said, I didn't come for that reason. I came to serve. The second observation here, serving is patterned by his actions. But secondly, serving is patterned by his attitude. His attitude. He took upon himself the, the role of a slave. The role of a slave. You know, it's a powerful value that he reinforces It's a godly attitude of humility. This will lead to godly actions. It starts with our heart. Just as as we have talked about the lordship of Christ, for the past two weeks we've talked about that generosity is a matter of the heart. Last week we talked about giving. Giving is what? They first gave themselves to the Lord before they give anything. You see, it's a heart matter. Humility is an attitude of the heart, and he patterns the example of serving through his attitude, Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, Jesus says, I'm gentle and I'm humble of heart. Paul would say he humbled himself, being fully obedient to God. Humility. Whether it was his actions or whether it was his attitude, he provided for his followers a pattern to imitate. So when we talk about serving, we're not talking about serving in the capacity, well, you know, just do this because this is a cool thing to do. Well, it is. it might be a cool thing to do, but we have an example of Christ through actions and attitudes that we need to follow. In fact, Paul would say this to the Corinthians a little later. About 30 years after the resurrection, Paul would write this letter to Corinth, and this is what he says. I want you to pattern your lives after me just as I pattern what mine after Christ, he patterns service. He's an example for us to follow. The third is that serving results in the blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord. Jesus is very clear. The end of chapter, or into that portion of scripture from chapter 13 of John, he says this. Now that you know, you'll be blessed if you do it. I mean, that's pretty simple. Doesn't take a tremendous amount of understanding to get to get the full power of that phrase. That if we're obedient to what Jesus has done and we do that, blessing is going to follow. First Timothy 6:19. By doing this, remember we talked about that a minute ago. Paul says to Timothy, do good deeds, be rich in good deeds, command them to do good and be rich in good deeds. And then he goes on in verse number 19. By doing this, they will be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they can experience. Look at this so that they may experience true life. Blessing. Blessing. So there's a couple kinds of blessing. The first is eternal blessing. 
when we, when we do good, when we are rich in good deeds, we are laying up for ourselves treasure in heaven. Jesus would say this in Matthew 6, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Every time you and I serve others, when we lay aside our comfort, our priorities, and we humble ourselves, we are investing in eternity. Investing in eternity. That is so powerful. Jesus would say this, told a story in Matthew 25. And it's about, it's really about the faithful servants. This is what we read in verse 37. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, that when you did it for the one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. When we serve, when we humble ourselves and we serve, when we give ourselves on the behalf of others, when we invest our time on our talent in, in others, we're doing it as unto the Lord. We are laying up for ourselves treasure in heaven. You see, when we are obedient, when we, were, when we understand this, now that you know this and you do it and you're going to receive a blessing, understand every time we do, people are healed, the lonely are connected, mouths are fed, the grieving are comforted, the tired are refreshed, the discouraged are encouraged, broken lives are mended, cups of water are given in the name of Jesus. You are making a difference, not just for this life, but you are making an in- eternal investment that is an incredible blessing. But not only that, there's abundant life. Paul would say it this way, you'd understand what life is, really true life, true life. Good deeds that they may experience, true life. David Pink wrote a book a number of years ago called Drive. And in this book, he talks about why, what is it that motivates people to do something. He found three different things motivate people to do things. Autonomy, that they can do it on their own, mastery, that they get really proficient in something. And the third one was purpose. And the number one, the number one things that drives people to accomplish is purpose, that they are accomplishing something far beyond themselves. They are making a contribution, not just for this life, but for the life to come. They want to be, how would you say, something that contributes to the greater good. When we serve We are contributing to the greater good, an eternal good in the lives of those that we have the opportunity to encounter. So as we talk about this, what are some practices? So here are some things. There are four things that we need to know about serving. What do you need to know about serving? First, every Christ follower needs to serve. Every Christ follower needs to serve. You say, okay, wait, 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 wait a minute. You're the pastor of the church, and you're supposed to say that. And I would answer, you are exactly right. I am supposed to say that. However, I also know it to be true. I, I was t- I've been telling you for the last, I don't know, I, I think I mentioned this about a few weeks ago, a month ago, whatever, that for about the past six months now, I've been going to the gym three days a week. And here's something, I, I'm a rookie at this. Now, I'm, I'm becoming, I guess, a new type of gym rat. 
Now, I used to be another kind of gym rat, which spent a lot of time in the gym playing basketball. Now, I'm a different kind of gym rat, and I'm a rookie at this. I'm not really good at working out and figuring it all out, but I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm getting better. But here's what I've discovered. And I've asked questions, and I've looked at some YouTube videos, and I'm trying to figure all this thing out because I want to stay healthy. I want to keep my body as as good as I can. I, I get it. So here's what I've learned, that if I don't mix up my exercises, if I don't do enough change in what I'm doing, my muscles will not benefit to their fullest extent. So I need to be doing different things in routine, yes, but doing different things so that I'm growing. I, am honest, I honestly believe that many of us are stalled in our spiritual growth because we are not serving. We will study the scriptures as we should. We will pray and we'll worship. Those are great things. But have you ever sat on a three-legged chair? It's always a little difficult to just, you just kind of have to balance yourself just right. And man, if you happen to go the wrong direction, down you go. I think sometimes serving is just like that. It is one of the legs that we desperately need to move our spiritual lives forward. And many of us neglect it. We neglect it to our own detriment. But not just to our own detriment, but to the detriment of others. That's why I, as your pastor, say every Christ follower needs to serve. You say, what does that mean? Well, we'll talk a little bit about it, but whether you're serving inside the church or outside the church or in both places, you need to serve for your spiritual health and well-being. Second thing you need to know is that you have something to offer. There's a place. There's a place for you to fit in. That is really important because I think sometimes we look at serving and we go, wait a minute, I have nothing to, I can't do a thing. I mean, I see people speak, I see people play music, I see people do this, I see them in the, I see, there's just no, I can't do any of this. I'm just, I have nothing, no, there is a place for you to fit in. And so in fact, a growth track, which we do about three times a year, our next growth track will be, I think, in the end of February, first of March, we talk about this where you fit. And so we use a little acronym called SHAPE. And we just walk through it real quick. The S stands for spiritual gifts. And I want to encourage you to be a part of growth track if you haven't been through it. Spiritual gifts. When you, when you give your life to Christ, we then, the Spirit of God is a part of our life. And he gifts us to do things supernaturally that we could not do on our own, that our own natural bent might lead us to do. He gives us the opportunity to do things outside of ourselves. Do you, I'm going to tell you honestly, preaching, I never thought I would do this. I, I never did. I always thought I would be a teacher. Now, I am a teacher, and I get to teach what I always wanted to teach. I wanted to teach history. I'm doing history in a little different sense. The point is, is that God supernaturally gifted me to do what I'm doing. I'm no different than anyone else. There is a supernatural gift that I've been able to walk in. The same is true for you. I am no different than you are. Spiritual gifts is yes, H. Well, let me, 1 Peter chapter 4 says, Each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. God has given all of us a gift. You all fit in. H is the heart. Heart. These are the things that we're passionate about. I don't know who this guy is. I, I just love what he said. I can't even pronounce his name. I think his name is pronounced Bailey, I think. It's spelled B-A-I-L-E. So I'm going to take a shot. Bailey, Bale, something like that. Here's what he said. Listen to this. 
Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and do that. Can I just tell you, if you love, if you love to serve people by way of hospitality, then do that. If you love, whatever it is, do that. What are you passionate about? Your heart, your heart. The third is abilities. So we got S, spiritual gifts. H is heart. A is abilities. In Exodus chapter 31, we have the, the Hebrews. They're building the tabernacle. And there's a man by the name of Bezalel. And listen to what we read about Bezalel in Exodus 31. The Lord said to Moses, I have chosen Bezalel from the Judah tribe to make the sacred tent and its furnishings. Now listen to this. Not only have I filled him with my spirit, but I have given him wisdom and made him a skilled craftsman to create objects of art with gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. God equipped him to build, to, to, to design, to be artful, to be creative. Not only did he give him that ability, he filled him with his spirit to do that. And it's no different today. God's still doing the same thing. I want to invite a friend of mine, a part of Crossroads Church, Nick Lamana, come and join me. And as Nick comes, would you give him a big hand? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Give him a big hand. That's perfect. Thank you, buddy. Nick, come here. We're going to talk just a minute because Nick has a great story, and I just want you to hear this firsthand. Thanks, buddy. No Bless you, man. So we were talking about growth track a minute ago. So you, were, you and uh, your wonderful wife were in growth track about a year ago or so. Or so. Yeah, something like maybe a little longer. With that, when we got to this whole thing about shape and all of this stuff, at the end of that, what was, what's your story? How did that all materialize for you? So during the last, it was the last day of the growth track, we um, started talking about spiritual gifts. And toward the end of it, Amanda and Starla were sharing that there are two needs in the church. One being uh, serving in the media, and the second, I think, was serving in the Sunday school. Okay. And I... God just prompted me, and I just looked at my wife. I said, I think it's about time I step up and do something. So I went to Starla, and I said, hey, I have a little confession to make. I kind of do this every single day of my life, so if you need me in the media, I'm all there. So, And I just said, use me wherever and however. What, the reason I, I, I kind of giggle at this is here – this is something you do all the time. You work with media. That's your deal. And say, you know, i got a confession. I work with media and they need, an, you know. So yeah. what, what is it that you do, Nick? So I'm a middle school math teacher, but I am in charge of all technology <laughs> at my site. Um, iPads, computers, I run it on a daily basis. So you know media. Yes. Okay. And now God opens this door, puts it in your heart to do it, and you follow through and being obedient. I, I had to. <laughs> I, I, I said yes, and there we go. I love it. And now you're serving in the media team. Yes, I am. Outstanding. And I love it. I love it. Oh, say that again. I love it. All right. I love it. Nick, thank, just tell, tell him thank you. Just a real simple application. Here's a person who has an ability. God brings it out in him through this simple little thing called growth track, and now he's serving using the gifts that God has given him. The third, oh, oh, let, me, let me just read this phrase. Get in your sweet spot. God did not make you generic. God is a specialist, and his design for your life is highly specialized. 
I cannot overemphasize this. Get in your sweet spot. Often we look at serving and we say, wait a minute, I have to do this because I don't like what I'm doing. Honestly, I don't like, I don't like yard work. I've already made that very clear. However, there have been times when I have done yard work for other reasons where it has been a joy and a delight. But I'm going to tell you, that's not my sweet spot. When I'm in my sweet spot, I'm passionate about what I do. And serving, I'm not serving time. It's serving time when I'm in my sweet spot. And the same would be true for you. Number, the P is personality. There's an abundance of personality tests out there. What we use is a, is a very simplified DISC analysis. DISC is one of those personality tests. DISC stands for dominant, influence, steady, and cautious. So the, the, we walk through this. Well, here's, here's why it's important. Your personality and my personality, there may be similarities, there may be differences. All the four of these personality types, we all have them to a measure. But then one of these is going to be more prominent in my life. In mine, I am an I and a C. My primary personality side is influencer with a side of caution. That's just my nature. Now, the same might be true for you. Or you might look at it and say, well, I want to be the dominant guy. Or I want to be, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not about what we want. There is some value to that. But understand this. There are no bad personalities. God has created you uniquely. Remember, you are specifically designed. There is no generic. God has something very special for you to accomplish. Your personality will bring that out, coupled with the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. All kinds of possibilities are right at your fingertips, and it becomes, it's time to serve rather than I'm just serving time, and I got to do this. Get into your sweet spot, Psalmist writes, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Understand something. God has made you just like you are. And sometimes we just need to look in the mirror and say, God, thank you for making me just like I am. When you're in your sweet spot, oh, so many good things are right at your fingertips. And the last one is experiences. The shape, spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. Our life experiences contribute significantly to the how and the why and the where we serve. And that takes us to this next thing you need to know, is serving helps us overcome our struggles. I, I don't want to be, I don't want to approach this too, too lightly or too, or too casually, is maybe a better word, but sometimes we live very victimized lives. We never move out of the struggles and the challenges and the troubles that we have. I'm going to give you a way out. Serve. Serve. Back to that experience thing for a moment. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, or chapter 1, excuse me. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. Stop. I am so grateful that when there's trouble and difficulty and hurt and pain and I've been victimized and I've been wounded, that God is the God of compassion and comfort and he comforts me and he brings his compassion to bear into my life. I am grateful that what God, for what God does in me. Can anybody say yes to that? Grateful for his care over my life. However, let's read on. So that, oh my, what? 
the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that, do you hear it? Say it with me. So that the troubles and the difficulties that we have aren't just for us to sit idly and passively by. No, the so that we have been comforted in one area of struggle and difficulty so that we can comfort others. Serve. Serve out of the difficulty and the challenge, and it releases us of the struggle. The compassion of God is there in, in strength and in power. You see, the empty nest mom can come alongside a rookie mom and bring comfort. A veteran can walk with an active duty to bring encouragement. A business professional can advise a young entrepreneur and, and ease their stress. You see, we are comforted so that we can be a comfort. We can be a help to others. And the fourth thing we need to know is serving time. Serving is, invest, is time invested, not time spent. It's invested. And that's powerful. You see, but Pastor Gary, that doesn't make sense because I don't have the time to serve. I just don't have enough time. Can I just, I'm gonna, here's a revelation for you. I have 168 hours every week, and so do you. I don't have more than you do. You don't have more than I do. It is all a matter of that which we value because we will always find time for the things that we value. Always. Serve. Ephesians 5 or 16. These are evil times, so make every minute count. So as we bring our time to a close this morning, I've been giving you some benefits to generosity. So here's the last installment. The last four benefits of generosity. Number one is generosity is a cure for materialism. A cure for materialism. No one can serve two masters, Jesus said. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It cures the materialistic side of our lives. Second benefit, generosity reveals my character. Reveals my character. And if you're trustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? The third benefit is generosity increases my happiness. And everything I did, I showed you that this, by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus himself. Look at this. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And the fourth benefit is generosity will be rewarded in heaven. First Timothy chapter 6, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give happily to those in need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity, and they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. So this morning, what are our takeaways? What do we take away from today? Well, I first thing, last week I said something that I... I didn't follow it to its logical conclusion. I just forgot to. It just happens. Those things happen from time to time. But I made this statement, so, but I'm going to make it again so we catch it. I encouraged us last week to advance your generosity. To advance your generosity. And I also said this, start giving. Start giving. It's really important that we understand that God, that 
what we have, my time, my talent, every resource, everything I have belongs to God. Everything does. Start giving. Become ridiculously generous. And one of the ways that we can do that in that start giving is we're going to do it next week. We, we rarely take special offerings. We only take about maybe two special offerings a year. And this can be one of them. That's next Sunday. So come ready. Not in our regular giving. Our regular giving is what takes care of keeping the lights on and everything going that we do. We're going to do that. That's fine. That's going to continue. But we're going to take something special over and above that. What's it going to go for, Pastor Gary? Here's what it's going to go for. It's going to go for benevolence, for the people who have needs. You see, we have people all the time who connect with us and say, can you help us? And I'm so grateful for Circle of Care because we can, we can always provide food and, and, and resources like that. But then there are times that we come alongside folks and, and we, ha- we help them financially. And what a privilege and an honor to do that. And, and it has been my heart and desire over the last number of years where how can we find a way to just keep that, the resources available in our benevolence account? And this is one way we can do it. You see, this isn't going to be an offering to just pay bills. No, this is going to be an offering to bless people. Would you start giving? Start in that way. Let that be the jump start to your generosity. And what better day to do it than on Thanksgiving weekend when we can say thanks be to God for what you have given to us and therefore I am giving so that other people can receive. Why? Because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. What a way to start your Thanksgiving week. So come prepared next week to give. You say, how much? That's between you and God. Why? Because the scripture said, we talked about this week, that we should decide in our heart what we should give. Not, by, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Because why? God loves a cheerful giver. But come prepared to give. So that's the first takeaway. And then the second takeaway is that if you didn't, pick up a book last week, Steward's Journey. Those are available for you at the Information Center. Those are absolutely free. That's our gift to you. A great, a great way to, to jumpstart and to understand this whole idea of stewardship. It's a great way. It's an easy read. Pick it up. It's our gift to you. Please take one with you. We want to make this available to you. It's a wonderful resource. Then lastly, this is in your worship guide. So I'm going to ask you to take that out. You should have one. If you don't, we got plenty. We want to make sure you have one. But on this, I'm just asking, or rather making the statement, I'd like to join the team. What's this about? It's about serving. It's about serving. There are five things that we've listed here. These are the five greatest needs that we have at this point. There's a lot of different ways to serve. And you look at these, you say, well, none of these are really in my sweet spot, Gary. I mean, I... I mean, you were talking about sweet spot and passion and heart, and I, I, I can't sing. I can't play music. I, I don't know anything about hospitality. I don't know. This is, I don't know what to do. Okay, if that's you, I get it. But you can write in here and say, I would be interested in, but these are the five most, most critical. Would you take a minute and circle one of these and then give us your information so we can connect with you and then leave this with us at the Info Center And then at the Info Center, there's a little card that has each of these described as to what it means. So pick that up. Prayerfully consider that. Be a part of the team. And when you share your information, now I'm going to have one disclaimer here. 
If you're a medical doctor who writes a lot of prescriptions, I will understand why we can't understand your name or email. However, if you're not a medical doctor who writes prescriptions, please take a moment and just make sure that we can legibly, we can see this, because we don't want to have to use the gift of interpretation to figure out your email address. So take just a minute with that. But would you be a part of the team? Why? Because your life's going to flourish when you serve. And serving flourishes itself. It, it becomes the get-to and not have to. Why? Because Jesus showed us the way. Why? Because there's extraordinary benefit and blessing connected to serving. And that is full, it's full-orbed blessing, both in eternal treasures and abundant life. Would you serve? Would you serve? Let me encourage you to do that. This is a way to advance your generosity.